I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News. The Jack Riccardi Show kicks off right now with the triumphant return. Jack Riccardi. <laughs> what, what have I triumphed over? I don't know. Hey, you're back in the saddle. Isn't that enough? It, you know what? It's a triumph that they're letting me back in. That is true. That <laughs> right. is true. And I'm trying to remember how I did this before, but... I don't know if I knew how I was doing it uh, in the past, that, that maybe that I'm learning it all over again. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Christian. Thanks to J.D. and and our producer, Don Cooper, for uh, last week. Uh, it's extra work for Don when I take this time off, so I appreciate it, Don. And J.D. always does a great job. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Did you have a great Thanksgiving? And, and, and did you get a little bit of time to yourself, or a little quiet time, a little downtime? I'll tell you a little bit about what I was up to and into um, last week. But it's great to be uh, back together again. You know, I got to ask a question, and this is going to sound like I'm stirring up trouble, and I'm not. I'm not. I- I- I'm aware that the World Cup is going on. Are you a Are you a soccer fan? Can I call it soccer? I'm going to call it soccer, not because I'm trying to get under your skin, but because there's soccer and there's football, and I know, I know, I know it. No, no, this is football. I know, I know. So some people say you got to call it American football because soccer is world football. Isn't soccer okay? Can we just call it soccer? It's a good word. But here's my question. Why are, why are soccer fans, this is the biggest thing going on in the world. There's billions of people watching the World Cup. Even though I'm not one of them, I respect that. I respect that one time in Mexico City they had a soccer match where the fans were so obstreperous that it actually moved the Richter scale. That impressed me. You don't see that much in an Astros game, right? You know, that doesn't that doesn't happen. So I respect it. I'm not throwing shade, but why are why are soccer fans so butthurt about our audience is bigger? This is the real football. We get 10 times the number of people that watch your Super Bowl or 20 times or whatever it is. If you've got the biggest thing going on in the world, you should just be sitting back enjoying it. And soccer, you know, real soccer fans, they're getting up at all hours. They're watching soccer games in the morning. They're calling in sick. I mean, because it's you got to watch it when it's on, and I get that, and it's just not for me. Somebody asked me why, and I said, I don't know. I mean, I, there's not enough scoring, I guess. Is that, does that make sense? It, you gotta watch for like two, three hours, and one guy scores one time. I'm shallow. I, I need more than that. That's, I, I applaud your rigorous attention to a bunch of little guys running around on the field, but I need more than that. You know, basketball, something happens every few seconds. Football, there's all kinds of different, you know, guys to watch on the field, different position players. Baseball's pretty slow. I, I, I've taken heat from people who say, I can't believe you love baseball. It's so boring. I understand. Not for everybody. But I guess I, my question about soccer fans is, if you've got the biggest thing going, what, what do you care what people think about it? Why are you posting on Facebook audience comparison numbers? To the Super Bowl. I'll give it to you. You got 50 times the viewers. Of course, you've also got 200 countries. But yes, it's, it's impressive. There was one guy on my Facebook feed. He's a furniture salesman. 
He was giving people yellow cards if they <laughs> if they didn't have the proper uh, um, like ref- reverence for soccer. I don't understand that. Help me out. Are you a soccer fan? Do you find it exciting, or do you find it boring? Two ten five nine nine. 5555. So there's been a story going around for a few days about how Twitter has lost half of their top advertisers. 50 of the top 100 corporate advertisers have quit Twitter since Elon Musk left. Some of them not giving any reason and others saying it's because there's going to be more racism and hate speech and Musk isn't going to control it and the, the QAnon people are going to run amok and Trump's back on there and all of this and that. And, and so these advertisers are, are leaving Twitter. There's also a story that says um, Apple might take Twitter out of their store, the Apple store. And, and Elon Musk has actually said, I forget where I read it, that he would consider making his own phone if uh, if he gets booted from iPhones. Maybe he'll get into the phone business. I don't know. I was thinking about the way people react to Elon Musk. Not only the way people react negatively, but the way people react positively. Because... He's got his enemies, right? He's got his, his celebrity, political haters, right? And then he's got a lot of people, and, and, and they call this show, and they email me. And they're very passionate about Twitter, and some of them don't seem like they would be big social media-type guys, but they, they're, they're very passionate about Elon Musk. And, and it hit me that people want Elon Musk to succeed not because of Elon Musk, but because of who is against him. The biggest thing Elon Musk has going for us, and I'm not taking away from his business acumen, but the biggest thing he has going for him are his enemies. When you see who is aligned against him and how they are aligned against him, it's you're apt to think, well, then I need to be with this guy. And, and you might not know anything about him. Or you might not like the things you would find out about him. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, but his enemies have defined his supporters. And you know who else that's true of, if you think about it? And if this doesn't apply to you, don't get angry like those soccer fans. <laughs> just kidding. But you know who else that reminds me of is Donald Trump. I'm not saying that Donald Trump didn't have good ideas and do good things when he was president, but isn't it, isn't it in fact true that part of, if, if you love Trump, part of what you love about Trump is who hates Trump. Part of what you love about Trump is who gets their, you know, who just loses their, their mind, their hair just bursts into flames at the mention of his name. So sometimes you want someone to succeed mainly because of the people who were rooting for him to fail. And um, both Trump and Musk seem to have made a lot of the same enemies, interestingly enough, but also I think are having that effect on people where you think, well, this is probably where I belong because the list of people that are against this or against him happens to also be the people I think are wrong with the world. 210 599 55 
55. I thought this was pretty funny. Alyssa Milano, the actress, uh, tweeted out the other day that she, in, in response to Twitter and hate and she, she gave, she says, I gave back my Tesla. I don't know what that means because did you trade it? Did you sell it? What do you mean you gave it back? Was it given to you? She wrote, I gave back my Tesla. I bought the VW EV. I love it. Then she talks about how she cannot believe people would support hate speech on Twitter. And right away, you're probably ahead of me, right right away people reminded Alyssa Milano of the origins of Volkswagen. Like, if if your thing is, hey, Alyssa, maybe... I don't know, like maybe a Kia or a Nissan Leaf or a Chevy Volt. Volkswagen, if if hate is your thing, you're just like all about down with hate. Maybe, maybe if you know the history of Volkswagen, you know, just saying. But that was pretty funny that they torched her on that. Um, Volkswagen then felt they had to come out and say, well, we're not a Nazi company and all that. So just, just history. Just a little history there. There was uh, a bunch of stories over the weekend because it was a big shopping weekend. Well, well, actually, it was supposed to be a big shopping weekend, and it really wasn't, right? Everything I'm hearing is that Black Friday was pretty meh in most places. And I know when I was out and about, it sure didn't look like it was, you know, slamming. But um, there were a lot of stories about stores in inner cities, that are no longer open, brick-and-mortar stores that have closed for good inside downtown locations. And one of them made the news for a sign that they put up on their now-closed front door. So I'm going to talk about that. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten It's glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes that glow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Mm, Yes it is 422 KTSA, Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. So, um, JR poll today. Do you find soccer boring or exciting? Tell me what you think. We don't have to change each other's minds. I, and I respect that people love it. I'm not trying to change you. I'm not trying to switch you away from it. I just find it very boring. Very boring. And I've tried, really. I have, but I can't. It's one of those sports. You know, everybody has them, right? There's certain sports that you, you acknowledge it's a sport, but you just it's just not for you. I do find it kind of funny, though, that people that are soccer fans, and this is the biggest time in the world, it's the World Cup, I, I just find it funny that they get so defensive about, I mean, the, the, the numbers are staggering. You know, you, you have a World Cup game, there's 100,000 people watching, no matter who's playing. You've got tens of millions of people, like billions of people tuned in all over the world. It's a global audience. 
It's like half the world population watches some of these matches. Why are they online, like, self-defensively, self-consciously tweeting? Why are you playing defense? You're big. I don't get it. I don't know what, I don't know what people get out of it, but hey, you got it. I'll give it to you. Yeah, it's bigger than the Super Bowl. All the Super Bowl audiences rolled into one. Don't add up to the World Cup. I get it. What's the problem? Lady wrote to me, Jack at KTSA.com. I won't use her name. She says, I've always found soccer to be completely boring. Even when I was a high school cheerleader and had to pretend to be enthusiastic, I just could not stand it. She was glad to be able to tell someone that. So. 210. 599-5555. Is this month going by fast for you? I, I, I cannot believe we are at the end of November. Wednesday's the last day of November. And this is the last week, really the last full week for Rapping with Jack. I mean, our event is a week from tomorrow. So if you want to donate gifts and have them wrapped or be there wrapping them, we need you, you got to do it this week. All the details are at ktsa.com. And when you click on that page, you see that you can buy things and drop them off. You can buy off an Amazon list and ship direct and not have to handle them. You can just donate money if you're not much for shopping. But all the information, all the details are there at ktsa.com. But I need you to do it. If you're going to do it, I need you to do it this week. Uh, and our goal is a gift for every member, man, woman, and child of every family uh, that Family Service Association of San Antonio works with. So there's thousands of people, um, and I know it's a tough ask, it's a big ask, but if you can help us, please do that. Go to KTSA.com to get the details, to see what kinds of things these families need. And then, I hope you'll join us. A week from tomorrow evening, we'll be out at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma from 6 to 8, December 6th, for Rapping with Jack 2022, presented by Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, and KTSA. 210-599-5555, a, a clothing store called Rains in Portland, Oregon, has closed permanently, and they put a sign on their door announcing it. Not just, we're closed, thanks for coming, or sorry, or we've got a new location. This was a different kind of sign. The glass door on Rains had a sign that says, our city is in peril. Businesses cannot do business in our city's current state. We have no protection or recourse against the criminal behavior that goes unpunished. Do not be fooled into thinking that insurance companies cover losses. The sign says, we have sustained 15 break-ins. We have not received any financial disbursement since the third one. So this store is not only announcing that they've closed, but they're blasting the city of Portland. It, we can't do business. Business can't be done with these crime rates. Now, it makes you wonder. Like, in the past, if people who lived in a city or a state where everything was going to hell, people might rise up and say, well, we're gonna, we're gonna have a, a, a political revolution. We're gonna, we're gonna elect new people. We're gonna switch to the other party. We're gonna, we're going to have a tax revolt. We're going to have a, you know. I, I wonder if we're past that now. 
mean, that's how it would have been, and that was the stuff of talk radio 30, 40 years ago. You'd, you'd, have, a ta- you'd have a taxpayer revolution. You'd have a, an uprising. You'd elect reform candidates. You'd solve the crime issue. But now I think what happens in cities, tell me if I'm wrong, is people just leave. What happens in a city, whether it's San Antonio or San Francisco, is the, the people that are fed up just leave. They're not staying to fight. They're not saying, well, maybe I'll run for city council, because there's no point. Look at our city council. Ten progressives and a mayor who is progressive. And I'm using their word. And, you know, you, you say to yourself, well, then I, I really can't, even if I even if I somehow win, what have I won? I've won the chance to be the dissenter, the minority. So are people just leaving like this store just closed? They didn't say, we're going to fight it out, we're going to stick it out, we care, we want to be part of this community. We, they're saying, we're just getting out of here. You know, I, I meet people all the time, and, you know, you get to talking, and they say, I live in Bulverde, I live in Casterville, I live in Bernie, I live, and it's always, ah, I used to live in San Antonio, but it got too crazy. These are the people that 30 or 40 years ago would have joined something, right? They would have been a movement. Now they're just like, forget it. What do you think? 210-599-5555. We're asking you on the JR poll about soccer. It's the high water mark for soccer. It's the big World Cup season. And um, they're getting incredible audience numbers. Uh, what do you think? Steve is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, no, so, I mean, for me and a lot of people I know, soccer is what, probably the most boring sport ever. And I'm a sport. Oh, man, the most like boring? Like it's the most. Really? Like sport. nothing is more boring than soccer? No, nothing I can think of. Wow. What about like nope. um, and the worst ice skating? When, what about ice skating or gymnastics? Even more boring than that? I don't know. I could actually enjoy that. Okay. What's so boring about it, do you, do you think? Well, there's nothing going on. There's no real strategy within the game. There's certain strategies, but not really. I mean, there's no, like in football or baseball, you call a play, you know where the pitch is going, you know where, you know, you know where. There is a lot of time, like in the middle of the field, where it doesn't look like anything is, yeah, like planned up. Like it gets very interesting when they get right up in front of the goal, but you can wait like three quarters of an hour for that, right? Exactly. The worst part is, though, the flops. That, that's where the NBA learned to flop. They watch soccer. <laughs> you know, a, guy, a, a guy just barely touches somebody else, and he turns two yeah. foots and hits the ground. You know, yeah, yeah. And lays there like he's dying. And you got to admit, though, Steve, you and I couldn't. Like you and I couldn't run like they run. I mean, they run for they run for hours without stopping. Oh, I couldn't they, do that. They get their exercise, no doubt. Yeah. No, I couldn't. Those do that guys anymore. are in the best shape of any, probably any athlete in the world. I don't, I don't think there's anybody leaner or more fit than those soccer players, right? You got to give them that. I, I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah. No. Just, but not, but not very entertaining. Interesting game to play. <laughs> there you go. All right, Steve. Thank you. Steve says nope. Not really too jazzed about it. Mark is on KTSA. Mark, good afternoon. Hey there, Jack. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you guys. Uh, you and Steve. Uh, the thing that bothers me, one of the things that bothers me is the, the, the turnovers. I mean, I'm used to basketball and football, and I, I actually played soccer for a couple of years in middle school, and I I don't remember it all that well, but I feel like we would try to kick it to our teammates to, to try to keep possession. 
and it just seems like so often they're just they're just kicking it down the field and they're hoping I guess they're hoping their guy's going to get it. Um, and besides that, um, you know, like I watched some of the England U.S. game and it ended zero zero tie. So if you like scoring, there's there's none. There was none. So see, I haven't been watching that would much. be like I would be like I want those hours back. You're telling me I watched this whole thing, and there was no scoring? Yeah, luckily there was a UT Baylor game on, so I watched that. And I, and by the time I flipped over to the to the soccer game, it was only about 15 minutes left. But um, but yeah, I'm glad I didn't yeah. watch the whole thing. There you go. All right, Mark's not uh, not feeling it for the World Cup. All right, uh, and we're, and I know I'm going to get the emails. I'm not hating on you. I, if this makes you happy, like like college football makes me very happy. And you may not understand that, but it's cool. It's okay. I'm not hating on you if you love the World Cup. We're just talking about it. You can tell me what you think, how you feel, why you love it. KTSA News Time, 4.38. I've only been back for half an hour. I'm already getting yellow carded. I'm getting the soccer fans are... By the way, they're all they're all saying, it's football. It's football. It's... Okay. It, it, it can be football for you. It's soccer for me. Okay? We, we both know what we're talking about, so it's okay. But they're very upset. And I said it. How many times did I say it, Don? How many times have I said, I'm not trying to... This is not a campaign against soccer. I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. I want you to, I want you to watch whatever makes you happy. I want you to do whatever. I just, it doesn't work for me. I don't, it's just very boring. You know, there's just not enough going on. But if it works for you, great. And apparently it works for billions of people. Zach. Hey, Jack. Well, I can't say I'm a fan of soccer. I can see why a lot of people all over the world love it. It's cheap to play and you get all the cardio you could want. However, after announcing plenty of college soccer matches, he says, it gets very, very tedious. You can go 10, maybe 15 minutes without anything of note happening. If you're lucky, you'll get, you'll see someone get carded or, or a substitution. I think it's more than 10 or 15 minutes, Zach. At least the ones I've watched. But anyway, 210-599-5555. We're asking you on the JR poll, do you find soccer boring or exciting? This store in Portland, Oregon, put a sign on the front entrance announcing that we're closed permanently. It's called Reigns. They thanked their customers, said a lot of nice things about the support they've had over the years, but they said, we just cannot operate in this condition. There's too much crime. There's no uh, law enforcement. The politicians don't care. We can't afford all the, all the break-ins, all the damage, all the vandalism, all the theft. We can't afford it. We're not being reimbursed. By insurance, I imagine that's probably a very common plight all over the country in major cities. And I've been thinking about this a lot, even before I saw the the Portland story. Do you think that cities are are coming back ever, or are the people like this and like you just going to leave, just going to move out of a city that doesn't work anymore? What they're saying is our city doesn't work anymore. They're not saying, I'm bummed about the last election or my candidate didn't win the mayorship. They're saying, this is not functional. Because I'm sure that you can operate a business in a city where you disagree politically with the leadership. I'm sure you can operate a business, because I'm sure people do. 
But when you get to a point where you figure it's never going to, they're never going to turn this around, or there's never going to be a pro police mayor and city council, or there's never going to be a, a revisiting of this whole woke progressive trend. Isn't it easier? I imagine it is to just say, well, I'm just going to move to a suburb or I'm going to move to another city. I move to another state or I'm going to take my business and make it a, a virtual business. So are we at the point where no one's coming to the rescue of major American cities? What do you think? 210-599-5555. Like I said, I meet people all the time who moved out of San Antonio. Now, when they, when they go to another country, they say they're from San Antonio. When they go to another state, they say they're from San Antonio. They're not ashamed of San Antonio. They don't hate San Antonio. They love the Spurs and all that stuff, but, but they live in Bernie. They do business in New Braunfels because it doesn't make sense here anymore. And San Francisco and Chicago and New York and LA. And I mean, aren't the people that used to stay and fight and the people you're wondering, like after we have an election and we do the, 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 the returns, you go, what, what, what happened? What, who voted? Well, the people you're wondering about, they left. They're leaving. Is that what's happening? 210-599-5555. According to a number of stories I read over this weekend, Black Friday was not a very big retail day, apparently. Uh, and they're scratching their heads over why there were not bigger crowds and more people shopping. There was a lot of e-shopping. But there wasn't a lot of like lines outside malls and Toys R Us and stuff like that. Um, and I noticed that I was out and about a little bit on Friday. Um, I took my daughter to Austin, and the places we went to were just looking like an average Saturday. I know it was Friday, but because a lot of people had the day off, it just looked like a regular weekend day. It did not look like Black Friday. What was your experience if you were? If you were out on Friday, 210-599-5555. We're going to talk about that. And we're talking about the soccer thing on the uh, JR poll. David is on the radio on KTSA. David, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jack. First, I just want to say I love your show. I think you're super insightful and, and very, very oh. funny. But, uh, well, I appreciate yeah, the, that. Uh, Thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan. It, it's definitely boring. You know, people say, oh, we went, went out and watched the grass grow when a soccer game broke out. But the... Uh, the thing I remember is when my kids were little, they didn't have goalies, and that actually made it really fun. Not that they're going to change it, mm. but at the same time, it is just so super boring. And you then, know, that's a uh, good idea. One, if you can get that damn ball all the way down the field, and you can somehow get it in front of the other guy's net, you know, that would make it, that seems only fair. You ought to be able to get it in there. Yeah, well, one, one other thing, one of your previous <laughs> callers talked about the fitness. Yeah, obviously they're really, really fit. Um, they are. I and I, I can't guarantee this, but I heard that motocross racers were actually the most fit athletes mm. of any sport, just because mm. they go and they go and they go. They have to use upper body, lower body. Uh, but anyway, food for thought for whatever it's worth. Do you ever feel like though? So you you agree it's kind of boring, do, but do you ever think to yourself, "There's two billion or three billion people watching this thing right now. What am I missing? What is it that they're getting out of this?" That I'm not getting. Maybe on a Tuesday there's nothing else on. So, but it is it is mm. something that everybody can play on a playground. You don't need a bunch yeah. of equipment. You just go out there and 
That's true. That's true. I guess I guess that's one reason it's global. David, thank you for the call and thank you for the kind words. Probably one reason it's global is that yeah, you can play it in any climate. You can play it with very little uh, investment. Uh, Bill is on KTSA Jack Riccardi show. Hi, Bill. Hello, Jack. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I can. I want to answer both questions. I, I am a soccer fan. I, I laugh because. We could have this same conversation about NASCAR, which is the incorrect response. People watch it for the crashes. They're not athletes. It's not a sport or golf. You know, just a bunch of old men out there. They don't have any skills. Or well, now to be fair, Bill. To be fair, I didn't say anything. I didn't say. Hold on, Bill. Bill, I didn't say anything like that about soccer players. I didn't say any of that. Well, I'm glad. I mean, I understand you must hear this from people. You're obviously fed up about it, but I didn't actually say any of that. What I what I said was that, unlike NASCAR. Unlike other sports where every so many seconds there is a development, a lead change, a point is scored, you can go a long time in soccer without seeing anything but ball movement, right? Well, I, I, this, I, no one has anything. No one has anything vested in the game itself. That's why they're not interested. If if you're if you if you have a passion for the team on the field, it's that simple. Regardless of the sport, I think that's it. That's the answer. If no one has any vested interest. And who's playing? Well, then okay. you're never going to really have. So, if any, I cared about, let's say, I cared about my country's team, I was really, I knew the guys' names, and I was really into them, and I had pictures of them on my wall. Then I would find what I was watching more interesting. You would. I mean, there, I, I just moved to Austin to get to try to transition those the the the, the folks that follow the Oaks, man. They, okay. they 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 love that stuff. But, but don't I, you think, I, Bill? I love but, but, but 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 don't people get that interest? From being interested in the action, it's, I mean, like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? How am I supposed to care about the team if I'm not interested in the sport? Well, I appreciate that's a good question, except you just need to go. Why? I mean, I watched, I watched a baseball game through two or three times in Dodger Stadium, and you see a comeback win, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, that was such a great moment. Right. You have this emotional right. connection. And so when you, when you see one of your teams win, you get an emotional connection. Right. I mean, right. we, we, we can talk all day about the, about the, the nuance, <laughs> right. but it's right. about the investment, emotional. Yeah. The, uh, okay. But to your other point, I left LA because. I was escaping, but I did want to come to Austin because I wanted to be part of this. I came, I brought my family. I want to, I want to become a member of this community and this mm-hmm. culture and moral code. Mm-hmm. So I did leave something. I left my family. I left the city I love, but my passion is to come. I and think that's what's happening. I think, I think that the cities are, I think the big cities are in trouble because there's not going to be anybody who will stay and fight or try to reform them. They will just leave for a place where they feel more at home. It was it. I, I I was just I watched. I mean, honestly, the place I love just go away. It was yeah. just it just it's yeah. it's still disheartening. I mean, I just I I I mean, you know, it, I I don't even I I could go on for hours, but I did. I no, but I mean, I think that's it. I think you're I think you're in good company. I think a lot of people have done that. But I, my point was that maybe thirty or forty years ago, you would have gotten together with other like-minded people and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna start something, or we're gonna." recruit a candidate or i'm going to run myself for something and now people are like forget it there's no there's no way to save these cities from their wokeness there's just no way it's it's true i think you i think you're accurate and i think i know people are less afraid now to for whatever reason i was one of them to leave the water oh my god i live more than 40 miles away from the ocean (laughs) you 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 realize the world is so big full of wonderful people things to do 
I mean, there's so much here. It's just I'm just beginning to discover it, and I'm just um, I miss my family. But man, the freedom and and yeah. my daughter does not wear a mask, and she goes to school and learns things. So that's all that matters. God bless that. Welcome to Texas, Bill, and thank you for the call. Thank you thank for being you, on sir. our show. I appreciate you. Uh, we'll get to more of these coming up, 210-599-5555. Jack Riccardi back in here after a few days off. And again, thanks to JD and everybody for uh, giving me that. What do you think about the, what do you think about the China story? What, what, where are you at on that? Uh, specifically, which one? The protests uh, uh, over, <laughs> yeah. uh, Xi. You know, this happened, God, many moons ago. I think I was a senior. You remember Tiananmen Square? Sure, yeah. Remember how nothing happened? Well, everything happened and nothing happened, right? I mean, it was the world came to a stop. Everybody was watching CNN back then. You had Bernard Shaw on CNN. Yeah. But the Chinese government remained you know, status quo. Well, there's a particular image, and you know the one I'm talking about. That, that, oh, yeah. That, that individual protester in the tank in front of him, or multiple tanks. And it's, it's fascinated me for such a long time, since you asked me the question, how so many people can tolerate such poor treatment when a united populace can do anything, anything at all. The problem is getting past A, fear, and B, getting them united and we'll see if well, that happens i'll give you a few other things to think about okay. so i i don't disagree with what you said but you're talking about a country that has no actual tradition of what you just described that's right it's not like the united states where we would say well we've we're, this is not who we are mm-hmm. in fact obedience and confucianism is who they are um they have no prior experience no one alive in that country remembers a time when it wasn't a a, a communist totalitarian uh, you know country yeah but also I, i'm a little i'm a little skeptical even of of what's reaching our eyes and ears like is this actually organic can we trust it is it as big as it looks is it smaller is it bigger i, I don't know i mean i'm not sure I, i'm not sure and I, i'm skeptical even more because i know how much ownership the Chinese Communist Party has of global media. Yep. So it's not like if this is really going to be the end of the line for them, they're not letting that out on the airwaves. They no. Wouldn't, they wouldn't let that happen. No. No. China's business is going to be, I mean, if anything big happens there, it would be my guess. Uh, it would be very difficult to get to get data, just content out of right. that country. Right. And so that's a, that's a good question because we can see what's happening in, for example, Europe regarding the, the, the COVID shutdowns and huge protests. Or even Canada last year. In Canada. That's, that, and that, that's a great example. China is not that animal. And so I, I to answer your question, I have yeah. no clue what's really yeah. going on there. Yeah. No, I think that's the honest answer that we would all have to give. Um, yeah. 210 599. Fifty-five, fifty-five. So you probably have seen it and heard about it on the news, but there have been protesters in several uh, Chinese cities calling on the uh, regime to step down. What's happening in China? China's basically the last, I think, if not the last country, certainly the last major country in the world that is still trying to have zero COVID cases. They're, so they are kind of where our public health people wanted to be in the spring of, of 2020. And... um they are doing draconian things, or what would be draconian to us, but are not maybe as draconian to the Chinese people, 
to, to achieve that objective. And what we are being told is that the protests in places like Beijing and Shanghai are protests of fury and, and, and being fed up with the, the zero COVID, which has then led to, um, frustration or, or is, I guess you'd say added to the frustration they have with other things and then has led to supposedly these crowds. I, I'm watching like clips of videos where the subtitles say, down with the regime and G stepped down. But of course, I don't know that that's what they're saying. That's what the subtitles say. And then I'm always skeptical, and you should be too. We get a soda straw view of what happens in other parts of the world, even in our own country. How easy is it for our media in our own country, in places we know and in places we've been to, how easy it is it for them to point the camera at one thing and not show this thing over there? I mean, our our own networks, in the summer of 2020, they would stick a guy with a microphone in front of a building on fire and go, this is a mostly peaceful protest. So I don't know what to believe, first of all, about what's actually happening in China. And then secondly, I don't know exactly what to believe about what it might mean or or, or, or if it'll mean anything. I do get a little frustrated when people say, oh, they're going to rise up and throw... Not in a culture where there is no tradition of that. So even their past revolutions haven't really been the kinds of revolutions you and I think of when we hear that word. And it's the same thing, you know, people people had a lot of high hopes. If you remember, and I'm sure you do if you're over a certain age, let's say you're over the age of, of uh, you know, 40 or 50, you remember... When the Berlin Wall came down, you remember the implosion of the Soviet Empire, you remember the <clears throat> the collapse of the Gorbachev government and all that stuff. And there were people with very high hopes. And I'm not hating on them. But there were people who thought, oh, that's going to become a thriving, democratic, capitalist uh, powerhouse. I'm talking about Russia. And the reason it didn't is very simple. They had never been that, and they had no tradition, experience, understanding, part of their culture. So they're they're not going to embrace something that is as alien to them as Martians would be to us. And China is a culture, no matter who's governing it, whether it's, the dynasties or the nationalists or now the communists, the, the people are the same. And the people are not going to, they're, they're not, they're not going to organize a tea party. We would like to think that people anywhere in the world would do what we did or what we would do. But that's not always true. I'm not writing them off. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I, I have a Reagan-esque outlook on capital, on, on communism, which is it needs to lose. I'm just saying, be careful what you derive from these news stories, because I don't think we're getting the whole story. In fact, I know we're not getting the whole story, but I don't think we're getting the parts of it that we would really need to get to understand this or put it in some sort of order. Now, what should somebody like President Biden be doing right now? He should be saying strong, positive, um, inspiring Things. It, it tells you everything you need to know about how little he and his party believe 
in these American principles that they're not doing that. It tells you everything you need to know. But, again, what is this going to turn into, if anything? I don't, I don't know that it can turn into anything. You're talking about a country where the, the, the regime has taken control of the tools of the, of the, if you will, the, the nuts and bolts of popular participation. So if you control the internet, if you control all media, if you control even like utilities and, and people's movement, if you can limit people, if you can seal them in their homes or keep them in their neighborhoods or in their apartment blocks, which they do, then what kind of grassroots movement do you think you're going to get out of that? You know, in this country, as much as we can knock the freedoms we're losing or we feel have been infringed on, you can go to a meeting. You can go to Austin. You can go to Washington. You can go to an event or a rally or a protest or a march. You can, you can join, uh, you know, online groups. You can sign up for updates. You can get all that. You can tweet. But if you live in a country or, or, or a culture where those things have all been compromised or controlled, what, how does the ball get rolling? No matter how angry people are, and I, I don't doubt they probably are angry. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Is the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Don we now our gay apparel, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. The ancient Yuletide Carol. That reminds me, I've got to get my gay apparel back from the dry cleaner. I, that's what I forgot to do this morning. All right. Make a note. 523-550-1071 KTSA. It is actually, I know we just had Thanksgiving. You're like, can I have a breather here? But it is actually the last week, full week, before Rapping with Jack. Rapping with Jack is happening next Tuesday night. At the legendary Blue Bonnet Palace up on, on uh, I-35 at Selma. We need your help. You'll go to KTSA.com and give, uh, what you can right now. Either make a donation off your credit or debit card, buy something off the Amazon list, or if you like going shopping and you like picking things out, uh, these families need blankets and baby clothes and socks and underwear and, uh, you know, toys for kids and stuff. We, we urge you to pick those things up, drop them at our sponsor locations. And then come join us to wrap everything Tuesday night, December 6th, from 6 to 8 at Blue Bonnet Palace. All the details are at KTSA.com. Big thanks to all of our sponsors, Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, Copenhagen, River City Oral Surgery, and Institute for Functional Health. So we got the World Health Organization renaming monkeypox as mpox. I don't know if it's mpox or mpox, whichever you prefer. And then I saw this, um, you know, uh, Tampax, right? The women's feminine hygiene product company. Tampax got in trouble on Twitter uh, because they tweeted out the following. On the official company account, they tweeted, Fact, not all women have periods. Also a fact, not all people with periods are women. Let's celebrate the diversity of all people who bleed. Um, you know, I think you could have leaned your elbow on the keyboard 
and composed a better tweet than that. So that went out. They got flamed. Then they tweeted, we messed up with our last tweet. I guess you could say they bloodied their image. No? Okay. We messed up with our last tweet. We removed it, and we apologized to everyone we offended. Respect is central to our brand. Our recent language did not reflect that. We have learned from this, and we will do better. Women, I'm sorry, not women who bleed, people who bleed. How about this? Your your Tampax, you don't need me to explain this to you. You know who your customers are. You know who uses your products. You know how this works. Why are you pretending you don't know? Why are we pretending we don't know things we know? That's not progress. That's not inclusion. Is it progress if you pretend you don't know the alphabet or that seven comes after six or, you know, no. We have learned from this. What, what is left for Tampax to learn about tampons? Seems like they would. Seems like you'd go to them if you had questions. Like I, I need to know some things about this. You, you, you guys are the experts. People who bleed. People who bleed. And you know what probably happens in a company like this? Any of these stories that we've had over the years? There's probably some twenty-three-year-old that gets fired. But meanwhile, the the, the tweet, the 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 advertising campaign, you know, whatever it is. There's always meetings, and there's people that sign off on stuff. And so basically, they didn't learn anything. They probably just scapegoated somebody. You know, but the people that thought this was okay keep their jobs. It's not for me to be offended. I'm not one of their customers. I don't really know how women feel about this. Feel free to tell me. Maybe it's funny to you. Maybe it's mildly amusing. Maybe it's offensive. Maybe it's bewildering. People who bleed. Not all people with periods are women. Well, I'm going to have to say that somewhere in there they might have been one. Just saying. 210-599-5555. We made a big leap, right? It used to be that we said it's it, we should accept people, we should be tolerant, we shouldn't go out of our way to make people feel bad, and I'm, I agree with all that. That's how I was brought up. You know, that's that's how I was brought up. That's how you were brought up. We made a big leap from let people live the way they want to live, and if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. We went from that to pretending we don't know stuff we know and requiring that people, including people with specific expertise, pretend they don't know it. And I don't think that's progress. But you tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. And I have to laugh because... 
Um, in, 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 whether it's whether it's this story, whether it's the WHO with renaming monkeypox, it always reminds me these moments, these kinds of moments. When I think about the internals of a company or an organization, I always think of that that movie Office Space. Remember the movie Office Space? Remember the scene where the two consultant guys are in the conference room, and they're bringing the they're bringing the employees in, and they're asking them basically, "What is it you would say you do here?" So what is it you do here? What would you say your your duties are? What is it that these people do? Like the person that came up with the people who bleed language, verbiage. What, what job description is that? What, what else do they do? What else have they done recently? What's their body of work beyond that inanity? And how many people are like this? I mean, how do you get these jobs? I'm not asking for myself. I'm okay here, but, you know, just curious. Jack Riccardi on 550 and 1071 KTSA. The on the JR poll, do you find soccer boring or exciting? We're getting the sum of both, I must say. Um, Tony Fauci was making the rounds of the uh, Sunday morning shows, and since I'm sure you were not tracking him, <laughs> setting aside the time and glued to the set, I'll just uh, give you a few highlights. He's He is still... Tony Fauci is like the guy that now only... That now only... Come on. That now only goes to where he is still revered. And he is still revered in the network television newsrooms. He is still a hero. He is still uh, the adulated, adored voice of reason, voice of science, right? Now, maybe... Next year, he will be seen in a different light. These Republicans are talking some big talk about hearings, and we're going to make him testify and all that. He was deposed last week by uh, some state attorneys general because of the, uh, they have questions about the damage done to the economy, and was it wanton by uh, people that knew better? But he... um, he has a new wrinkle. He doesn't remember a lot of stuff all of a sudden. Now, I have a bad memory. I'll admit that. But I always have a bad memory. I don't have a bad memory on certain days of the week or only about certain things. I, I have a terrible memory. He has started um, forgetting what he was in favor of, what he championed. He issued the findings and the guidance that led to the lockdowns. There's no disputing that. Then when we got started getting the data, and we're still getting it, about the damage of the lockdowns, about the suicides and the alcoholism and the, the drug abuse and, of course, the economic devastation, then he 
either didn't remember saying these things or claimed to have had no part in them. So he was an incredibly powerful guy who used his power to normalize a response to COVID that was that was like nothing we had ever seen before. You and I remember this. We've ne- we've never seen our country shut itself down, shut its people down, shut its. I don't just mean business. I mean we shut society down. And he was the science. He even said, "I'm the science." So he goes on. Um, CBS and NBC, Face the Nation, and Meet the Press. And he says that he did not politicize COVID. In fact, he says it's the Republicans who are to blame for what we went through. Cut number three. Listen to this. They've clearly politicized it. You know, they say that I'd be, I'm not political at all. Period. I've never been, and anybody who knows anything about me knows that that's the case. But it is very clear when people are running their campaigns mm-hmm. with an anti-Fauci element to it. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, th- 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 this is a public health issue. So, yeah, it's going to keep going, likely much more ge- geared towards me. I mean, it's obviously a political issue. I'm not going to get involved. I didn't get involved before in the politics, and I'm not going to get involved now. Mm. Um, first of all, I think he loves that they're talking about him. I've known people like this all my life. They they pretend, oh, I hate to be controversial. I, I don't want any part. They love it. They love it. You watched him in those briefings. Did that look like a man that had been dragged reluctantly to the microphones? No. Was he so shunning of the spotlight that they had to put a gun to his head to make him throw out the first pitch of the Nationals game or go on late-night comedy show? No, no. Give me a break. And then he says, I wasn't political. Have you ever seen him testify before Congress? He's literally the most political doctor, medical expert I've ever seen. Now, they asked him on Face the Nation about the, the, what the Republicans are promising to do, which is investigate the origins of COVID. And even Fauci has admitted recently that, yeah, maybe they knew more than they said. But it's interesting. This is a man who at the moment is still in the employ of our government, but is defending the government of China and the medical establishment for how they handled COVID. Listen to this, cut number two. What happens is that if you look at the anti-China approach that clearly the Trump administration had right from the very beginning, and the accusatory nature, the Chinese are going to flinch back and say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk to you about it, which is not correct. But they're not talking to the Biden administration about it either. Exactly. I think that horse is out of the barn, and they're very suspicious of anybody trying to accuse them. We need to have an open dialogue with their scientists and our scientists, keep the politics out of it, and let the scientists, because these are scientists that we've known for decades. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I'd be insulted if I wasn't amused because he knows even better than I do that while he may have counterparts in China, they're not in the same position he's in. They don't have the same freedom of movement, freedom of speech, candor he could have. He could say anything, Anthony Fauci could, and without even the MD, just by being an American, he'd be okay. He could say it. They can't. He he doesn't really expect us to believe that his counterparts in the People's Republic of China can just come clean, tell what they know, expose evidence of the origins of COVID, the covering up, or, or even, who knows, maybe even more sinister than that. He knows that's not true, and I know that he knows that's not true. And so he also said something kind of interesting. He said, well, yeah, they're not, they're not talking uh, candidly to us under the Biden administration either, but we, we ruin them with Trump. The horse is out of the barn. Meaning, because the Trump administration was tougher on China, now they won't deal with the statesmanlike Biden administration. So, let me see if I understand that. Does that mean that if um, you're tough with terrorists, the, the terrorism is your fault? If you're tough with human traffickers, does that make human trafficking your fault? I mean, the guy really, I, I will give him credit, he has cultivated an image where sometimes what he says can almost go right by you until you realize how absolutely audacious it is. And um, he was also asked, by the way, um, if the schools will be closing down again. Are we out of, he said, we're not out of the pandemic. Now, the president said we were. But but Fauci says we are not. Cut number five. Coming out of the holidays, should parents expect schools to shut down? I don't know, uh, uh, Margaret. I'm not sure. When, when you talk about shutting down schools, there's always the collateral That's also effects. radioactive. <laughs> exactly. There's always the collateral issue. So you have to balance, and you do it in real time, depending upon the viral load of disease in your region, whether... You know, the upper northeast may be quite different from the southwest, from the, from the, from the Pacific coast, from the upper northwest. So you have to have the local mm. authorities evaluate on a situation-by-situation situation basis. Wait a minute. The local authorities? You mean like if a governor of a state, like, I don't know, I'll just pick one as, a, as an example, uh, Florida. If he uses his local judgment and authority, you... Dr. Anthony Fauci will not from the White House podium? Because I seem to recall a guy that looked just like you doing that. By the way, when he says there are, cl- she asks, will the schools have to close down again? I presume that Margaret, uh, whatever her name is, like a lot of journalists, is having sort of fever dream fantasies about we go back to the spring of 2020 and what have you. So he says, well, if you do that, if you close the schools, there are collateral issues. That sounds like collateral damage, which sounds like, did you know that the first time, or do you just know that now? 
So I guess it's progress that he's admitting when you close down schools, you hurt people. You, you cause damage. That's progress. Because there was no talk about that the first time. No one was saying, hey, this might not be the right thing to do, but we're going to do it. Or we're not sure we need to do this, but we're going to do it. Or look out, because this is really going to hurt, but we're going to do it. Remember what we were told? If you were hesitant about it, you had the problem. If you were doubtful about it, you had the problem. Why don't you care? What Do you want people to die? Remember all that? I, I remember, I'm keeping those receipts. I'm like a holiday shopper. I'm keeping all the receipts on this guy and guys like him. You know, the luckiest thing he has going for him, Fauci, the luckiest thing he has going for him is the people that are promising to call him to account, the people that are promising we're going to get to the bottom of this, are the same people who were telling you and me a few weeks ago, red wave, we're, we're coming, it's going to be historic. Yeah, he could not have drawn... Uh, better adversaries than this Republican leadership. I hope I'm wrong about this, and you can call the show, and we'll we'll take calls for three hours if I'm wrong about this. I don't think they're going to hold him, his feet to the fire. I don't think they're going to make his life uncomfortable or or force answers out of him or confront him the way they the way they've been promising to. I don't mean that of every single person because I think Rand Paul will do it, maybe Jim Jordan will do it, but I think most of them are most of these Republicans are paper tigers. And he's very lucky that the people that claim to be on the, you know, on the, the war path for him are these people. <laughs> the people, the people that were, that were so sure of what they were going to do just a few weeks ago. I'm sorry to say it, but I got to say it. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. And when you walk down the street, say hello to friends you know and everyone you meet. All right, 555 on KTSA, San Antonio's news talk station. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. We're coming up on Rapping with Jack. It's next Tuesday night, a week from tomorrow night from 6 to 8. Uh, we have not been together for this since 2019. Very excited. Our new home is Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma. You can get all the details at KTSA.com, but I hope that you will come out, bring your family, bring your friends, bring a date, bring coworkers, bring your, your fellow church members. If you've got a club or an organization you like to do service projects, come on out, wrap some presents, enjoy Ken Slavin's music, and we'll have a good time. From 6 to 8 on December 6th at Blue Bonnet Palace. It's for Family Service Association. It's presented by Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, Copenhagen, Institute for Functional Health, and River City Oral Surgery. So I was off last week, and as it turns out, I've been off part of today. But we we were told by the White House last week that you should um, bring talking points to the Thanksgiving dinner table. So presumably if you were getting together with family, and particularly if you were seeing people that you didn't see regularly or often, like not the people you live with, but like other relatives, and if they were, I don't know, Jack Riccardi listeners, 
or Fox News viewers. You could um, bring the talking points and, uh, you know, work on these people. I find it interesting that the left really can't decide what it wants. For a while, it was, well, don't invite them. And many of us have had the experience of being disinvited by our own families from Thanksgiving, cut off because of how we voted or what we believe. Then they pivoted to, no, we want them there, but we want to lecture them while they're reaching for that second helping of Turkey. And what could be a worse approach to the Thanksgiving dinner? If you're bringing a bunch of people together and they're diverse, of all the things you could do, of all the, the, the things that could be in your mind and heart at that moment, talking points about gas prices, uh, writing down on the back of your hand the number of jobs Joe Biden claims to have created. <laughs> what could be? I mean, honest to God, that's the most dystopian-sounding holiday I've heard of since Festivus. Who, who are these people? And what is their deal with holidays? They they really have kind of like a love hate thing. Remember during the Obamacare debate, you were supposed to do this with, at Christmas time. You were supposed to bring talking points and engage your relatives. Remember Pajama Boy? Remember that? You're supposed to engage your relatives about, um, you know, nationalized health care at Christmas. And now Thanksgiving is a good time to bring up the. Uh, Build back better. Who who are these people? And then they, if they can't decide between disinviting you or inviting you to lecture you, they're not sure there even should be a Thanksgiving. Remember, we were told that Thanksgiving's history is genocidal, and uh, you're commemorating the, the the settlers and the first settlement and the look at what they did to the the native people, and they they they're the worst people that have ever lived. How dare we have a meal in commemoration of the first Thanksgiving? So which is it? I'm just confused. So how was your Thanksgiving, Christian? We didn't even get to talk about that earlier. We jumped right in. Oh, mine was uh, pretty nice. Obviously, football, a big part of it. So uh, pleased with the Cowboys. But my wife knocked it out of the park, as she usually does. Mm. And she's from Spain, where they don't even do Thanksgiving. But learned how to do it here. That's yeah, nice. she did. And yeah. those were three great football games. It really was say. a good slate, wasn't it? I mean, it, didn't I hear somewhere that I think the the Cowboys game that was a, a record audience for a Thanksgiving Day game? Right? That's what James Pledger says. And if he said it, I'll buy it. They all buy it. All right. Well, I'm glad you had a good one, and yep. you have a good night. You too. Uh, Want to know about your Thanksgiving? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. I want to hear how it went. I want to hear how you enjoyed it, or if you didn't. I'm curious, did you encounter any of this talking points advice that the White House was giving out before the, the last Thursday? They were telling people, they actually put out a list. I guess it's like a version of what KGP has in front of her on the podium. They put out a list of stuff you know, accomplishments of Joe Biden, accomplishments of the Democrats, and you were supposed to um, challenge people at the table that you knew were politically opposed to this administration. 
Did you encounter that? Was that going on at your table? Um, because a lot of times, given the current way we do things, if you have a, a relative that's a Trump voter and you're a Biden voter, you're just not inviting them. You don't want them. We're not, we're not, I'm sorry, no. I've, this is happening in my family. But I guess if you didn't do that, if you didn't just cut them off, <laughs> and you were supposed to, uh, you know, hit them with the talking points, doesn't really sound festive. And we've talked before, and I won't belabor the point, I've made the point before, that for, for many people on the left, more so, I think, than people on the right, politics becomes more than politics. It becomes a, a, a sort of religion or cult. And it would be perfectly natural, with the slightest encouragement, for somebody like that to say, well, I'm going to... Be re- I'm going to be loaded and ready, and I'm going to have numbers and statistics memorized, or I'll put, have a cheat sheet in my lap next to my napkin. But then I started thinking, this almost is about more than trying to make Joe Biden look good or defend him or whatever. You know what this really is also about? This is about a hostility to the, the idea of, family itself, and, and and people just drawing together. You know, Thanksgiving, whether you celebrate it for its historical import or you just like to eat a lot or you like the football games, but whatever the reason, Thanksgiving brings us together. Thanksgiving is one of the last things that brings us together regardless of our religious faith because Christmas, you've got to buy in, right? I, I, don't, I don't believe in that Christ story. Or maybe you're turned off by the commercialism of it. But see, Thanksgiving doesn't have that threshold of faith or, or other participation. It, it, just show up. Have a meal. Be with the people you came from. Or open your home to the people you want to see. That's it. Why the hostility to that? Why... Is it necessary to, to attack that, to try to splinter that? What do you think? Because I have an idea, but I'd like to hear what you think about that. In other words, instead of saying, time out, everybody, it's Thanksgiving, and it didn't come a moment too soon, and we need this breather, And people need to get together. We need to remember why we love one another, even if we voted differently or have different beliefs. There seems to be a concerted effort against it. I'm not going to call it a war on Thanksgiving. I'll let Fox News come up with that. But I, I I wonder if deep down there are people on the left, I'm not saying all of them, who really figure that their their high watermark was the COVID shutdowns, the control, the separation, the isolation. And now they're looking for anything. They've got their, their sights set on or they've got in their crosshairs anything 
any occasion in which people forget their differences. Because if you want people to be at each other's throat, if you want a kind of civil war, if that's what you think is required, and they do, then anything, and it could be Thanksgiving, it could be, it could be New Year's, it could be the Super Bowl, it could, you know, anything that, that, that brings people together in such a way that they forget their differences is not good. So I, I've thought about that. I'm not saying I know that's true. I've wondered about that. And then I've also wondered, well, maybe they figure captive audience, you know, you got people at the table, you got to stay at the table for a minimal amount of time, good time to hit them with the jobs created talking points. I don't know. And maybe I'm, I'm showing my age here, but th- this would have been at one time, these approaches to our national holidays at one time would have been considered like poor form, like bad manners. You, if you brought up a controversial subject at the, at the Thanksgiving table I grew up at, you might as well have, have farted. It was poor form. These people want you to do it. They're telling you it's your duty to do it. And it makes me wonder why. It's very interesting. Did you encounter anything like this? 210-599-5555. And then the the idea that Thanksgiving itself somehow um, is tainted by its origins or by what happened 400 years ago. You know, I won't debate what happened 400 years ago because I wasn't there. But I will say this, and and I challenge you to, to tell me I'm wrong about this. No matter why we came together last Thursday, no matter why we had a meal together, no matter why we opened our homes to people we don't see very often or only see once a year, isn't it a good thing? Family is really all that matters in the end. Family is all you're going to have in the end. Isn't it a good thing? No one is ever going to say on their deathbed, I had way too many Thanksgivings. Or I had way too much time with my extended family. I really wish I hadn't, sure wish I hadn't spent so so many holidays with those people, those bastards. No one says that on their deathbed. Whatever is bringing us together on that Thursday in November is a happy thing, is a good thing. And thank God we have the freedom to do it. Thank God we can travel. Thank God we can put some food on the table or some extra food on the table. You know, you may live in a, in a family or you may be part of a culture where gatherings like that happen every week. But for some people, that's, that's it. That's, that's one time a year. There's some tradition to it. And I don't mean the pilgrims. I mean like grandma's gravy recipe or, that trick your dad taught you or your mom taught you with the turkey or whatever it is, those, those things matter. It's good for those things to be continued and, and passed along. 
And when you do these things, when you have these moments, when you get together, you're not a colonizer, you're not a, a, a genocidal conqueror. You're with your family. That's what matters. No, you're not enslaving anyone. You're not culturally appropriating anything. And those issues that do divide us or those things that we feel like we need to talk out, they're still there the next day. That's the great thing. Putting them aside for a day doesn't mean they don't matter. I can walk and chew gum at the same time. Can you? Can you care about our history or care about where we're going now as a country, but, but still take time to enjoy life? These people act like you can't. It's one or the other. If you're doing one, you're not doing the other. You know, you can do that. You can make the biggest difference between nothing and something with Rappin' with Jack. I always say, of all the gifts you're going to buy at Christmas time, all the presents you'll shop for for family and friends, no gift will matter more or be bigger than the gift you donate to Family Service Association for Rappin' with Jack because that goes to someone, a child, a mom, a dad, that goes to someone that isn't getting anything. You know, they're, they're not, they, they don't have a list. They've told their children Santa's not coming this year or Santa doesn't know where we live this year. I'm serious. If you give to Rappin' with Jack, you're making the difference between something and nothing. It's the biggest difference of all. So I hope you will. And if you want to find out more about how to do it and where to do it, and the the when is right now. Go to KTSA.com and click on the Rappin' with Jack button. Please do it now before you forget. Um, and thank you if you've already given. And I hope you'll join us next Tuesday night, a week from tomorrow night, Blue Bonnet Palace in Selma for Rappin' with Jack 2022. So we're talking about Thanksgiving and how your Thanksgiving went. Um, and I'm just curious if, People brought up politics and how that went. Or maybe you brought it up. I don't know. Um, I I will say, and I seem like a very opinionated person, and I, I am, but I, I have a deep respect for family. It, it, it's the most important thing. I have a deep respect for tradition. I think traditions matter, and you, when you're young, you don't really know why. And it's tempting to dismiss them. When I was young, when I was when I was in my twenties, I couldn't get out of the house fast enough, and I'd spend the minimal amount of time at that dinner table with those boring relatives, <laughs> right? But then you get older and you realize you're not going to always have these people, and now I don't have them, any of them. 
And uh, and so it, I, I respect what brings us together, and I think that's what brings us together. I don't think slavery or genocide or cultural appropriation or mistreatment of indigenous people, that, that, that is not why we are coming together. That is not what brings us together. And if we didn't share that meal last Thursday, it wouldn't change anything that happened 400 years ago. You know, you, you can't change our history. You can change our future, but you can't change our history. And I just don't have a lot of, as much as I'm a history buff, I don't have a lot of use for people that want to anchor us in the past. And they would say you shouldn't have Thanksgiving dinner because of how it started. Or if you're going to have it, you should be bragging about Joe Biden's job creation numbers. I don't, I, I don't see that. 210-599-5555. I'll tell you a story. I, um, the day after Thanksgiving, Normally, I do not go out to stores or malls or anything. I'm not a Black Friday shopper. But um, my daughter wanted to go to Austin. We went up to, uh, we were driving up to Austin. We did make it, but I want to tell you what happened. And um, I've been having a lot of problems with my car lately, and I've put a lot of money into it. But anyway, we stopped at Bucky's. We get back out on the road. As soon as I get back out on the road, check engine light, and the thing just, like starts wheezing and losing power. So I said to her, I'm sorry, I think we're probably going to have to turn back. And then as I turned back, I realized there was a dealership right in my path, Blue Bonnet Jeep. I don't have any connection to them. I'm not, I'm telling you this story just person to person. So I get the thing to Blue Bonnet Jeep. Now this is this is like midday Friday. And I've never been there. I'm not their customer. It's not where I bought the vehicle. These people were incredible. This was everything that you should get from a car dealership. This is what service should be like. This is what just genuine politeness should be. The The service writer's name was Danny. Fantastic guy. Gets right on it. That was the good part. And by the way, um, they thought they'd have to keep the car till Monday. They worked so diligently, it was ready the following morning, Saturday morning. So after I drop the car off, I need a car. So I go to Enterprise, and on the way to Enterprise, which I've used many times over the years, I call them, and I say, oh, I'm in need of a car. Do you have cars? Oh, yes. Quotes me the rate, tells me the car. I say, now, I'm going to such and such a location. You have it, right? Yep, we have it. I get there. I walk in. Do you have a reservation? I said, well, no, but I was just talking to someone. Apparently, I was not talking to someone in that office. I was talking to the national call center. I was just talking to someone, and um, they said that you could, you know, hook us up with a car. Oh, no, no, we don't. We don't have any cars. And and I know, by the way, that that the rental car companies are all really short because their, their fleets are depleted. They, we, we talked about this the other day. They're, they're renting out two, three, four-year-old cars, high miles, because they've got nothing. So anyway, um, she proceeds to tell me, she's a very nice young lady, she proceeds to tell me, oh, our, uh, 
yeah, we, we don't have cars. I, I said, well, help me out here because I just talked to somebody who said you do. They even specified the car, like described it, said which model it was. Oh, they lie. That's what she told me. This is about her own company. She goes, yeah, they do this all the time. They, they will tell you that there are cars, and then they leave it to us here on the front lines, you know, the people that are in these little enterprise buildings along the highways, right? We got to deliver the bad news that, no, we don't. She said, no, we, we, don't, we, we, we don't have them. It worked out. I got something. I had to pay a lot for it. But it was like yin and yang. Within the space of a few minutes, I saw the best customer service can be. And I, I'll tell you what, I, 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 will, I would buy a car from that dealership when I'm ready to buy another one because they were that great, Blue Bonnet Jeep. And then I saw from a company that I've been doing business with for years and years and years, just a stupid, unforced error. There's no need to do that. You know, it's one thing to make a mistake, but apparently they just sort of pretend they have what they don't have. It doesn't seem like a good business plan to me. I'll still use them because they're big and they're ubiquitous. But that just isn't smart, you know. Not a smart thing to do. And um, so yin and yang, customer service. It was a great week. I'm not complaining. I had a, had a lot of time to get things done around the house, a lot of time to read, watch college football games. I put my Christmas tree up, uh, did some cooking and saw some people, and just it was a good, it was a good week. And I again, I'm very grateful to JD and Don Cooper, our producer, and everybody, and really glad to be back. KTSA, JR poll results coming up this half hour. We're asking you about soccer. It's the World Cup. Do you find soccer boring or exciting? Some heated opinions. We'll kick those around. Gennaro is on KTSA. How was your Thanksgiving, Gennaro? It was it was actually pretty good, Jack. It was actually great. Um Um Let me give you the beef of it. Uh, family all around and everything. And, uh, I haven't seen anybody like in 20 years, man. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really. You were with people so, you hadn't seen in 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, um, so all of a sudden we're having dinner and everything and I'm standing by, by myself and this beautiful young lady comes up to me. And she goes, so you're red. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? She's like, politically, you're red. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it it was. I thought that was your nickname. I thought you, you know. <laughs> it was, it was like a double cousin away from me. And we started talking politics and everything. No. And the rest of the, and the rest of the family, they didn't give a they didn't give a darn, man. They were getting no. drunk. And just, so was she arguing with you or agreeing with you? No, man. She. I don't know where where she came out from, man. She 
No, man, she liked me, man. That's that's kind of creepy. Yeah, I would agree that is creepy. Um, <laughs> but when you but when you meet somebody at a party or a gathering and you're in political agreement with them, you almost want to like hold on to them. Like now, don't you go anywhere, right? You stay right here. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. man. Exactly. That way, brother. that way we can stand back to back, and if we have to, we can fight our way out of this room. I don't want to get stabbed. Exactly. But uh, the, exactly. the thing is, uh, the thing is, man. Um, I have a cousin, and I, and she doesn't listen to the show, but she's Republican. I have a cousin that's probably third times removed, and she was attracted to me, man. I was like, mm. okay, I don't that know, I don't want to know that. about Gennaro. That I don't want to know about. <laughs> you've you've now entered territory. You've now entered some territory. I'm not. I'm not going to join you in, but, but I'm glad you had a good Thanksgiving. It's good to hear from you. I hope I'll hear from you on Friday for the dish, okay? All right, brother. All right, take it easy. I don't remember asking about cousin on cousin, so you might be thinking of a different show. 210-599-5555. Um, this is interesting. I'm not, I'm not really sure what to make of this. Have you heard about what happened with Odell Beckham Jr.? So, Odell Beckham Jr., as we call him in football, OBJ, is um, he's one of those professional athletes whose potential exceeds his performance to this, to this point, to this point. He could be a Hall of Fame football player, but he has not been yet. And he's kind of a free agent at the moment. And there's a number of, and the reason you might have heard about him is because the Cowboys are, the speculation, the Cowboys will sign him, the Packers were looking at him, but now they're out of contention, and he could help, a, you know, if there's a playoff contending team and they can get him uh, into the mix and get him up to speed, he's, he's a difference maker. So anyway, he was on a plane, um, I guess he was going from um, Miami to Los Angeles, and he... He says he was sleepy, that he sleeps on planes. The airline, American Airlines, is saying he was unresponsive and would not or could not follow crew members' instructions. And they had to go back to the gate and take him off the plane. And his lawyer now says that the flight attendant was, you know, overreacting and overzealous, and he was simply... Sleepy or asleep, sleeping on a plane should not be a cause for removal from a flight. And I would agree with that. I, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, that's it for him. No team will want him now, which is baloney. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've noticed who's getting picked up in the NFL, but Odell Beckham probably could have killed people on the plane and still had, still had an NFL career. I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. So anyway, um, you know what I was thinking more than anything? And I'm not against flight attendants, and I'm not, I'm not saying this about all of them or even most of them, but it kind of sounds like he might have encountered one of these, um, you know, COVIDian-type uh, zealots. You know, the kind of people, you remember them the last couple of years. You were out minding your own business somewhere, and somebody came running up to you with a clipboard screaming like you had just, you know, stolen something or assaulted someone it was because your mask had slipped or something you know you know those people like maybe that was who he 
had the misfortune to encounter because people do sleep on airplanes and I, I tend to think that probably is what happened um speaking of football the giants and cowboys game on thanksgiving day uh was a history maker for the nfl 139 million people watching the three games which surpassed the previous record for Thanksgiving in 2016 and 42 million watching Fox the Cowboys and New York Giants which was the most watched regular season game ever now i remember a few years ago people were saying and i wasn't sure they were wrong that the NFL had done itself in. If these numbers are true, and I have no reason to believe they're not, um, it looks like a lot of people who said they'd never watch again are watching. And that's interesting to me. It's also interesting to me that all of the starch has gone out of the political activism and posturing at these games. And I'm kind of thinking one of those things is probably related to the other, wouldn't you? So it's either the protesting really wasn't about principles, it was just about who the president was, and or uh, business has reasserted itself. Uh, We're here to make money. We're here to get eyeballs on the screen. Cut the crap, guys. Play football. Leave the rest of the stuff out. Lo and behold, the audience is back. 210-599-5555. There's also a story um, in the college football world. Now, if you're a college football fan, you probably know that college football is more about rivalries than anything else. I mean, it has. we have the bowl season coming up. We have the... the college football playoff coming up. Those are big, but there are actually regular season games in college football that are bigger than the postseason, and one of them was Ohio State and Michigan on Saturday. In fact, I think that's the biggest. I think that's the single biggest rivalry, not only in college football, but maybe in all of college sports. It's the game. And if you haven't heard, you probably have. Michigan blew out Ohio State. It was a beatdown to the point where Ohio State is not even a playoff team, it looks like, anymore. These uh, rivalry games matter every year, whether they are playoff contenders or not. This year they were both undefeated, so it mattered even more. But it's always a big game, no matter what kind of season Ohio State and Michigan are having, seasons. So here's what happened. They play the game. Ohio State gets the doors blown off. After the game, the quarterback for Ohio State, really good kid named C.J. Stroud, one of my favorite players, was talking about it in the post game, and he was saying, "You know, we, we we hope we make the playoffs. We still want to contend for a national title." And then he said, "This this one game does not define this team." And all of a sudden, Ohio State fans are furious with C.J. Stroud. He's their he's their darling. He's their fair-haired boy. They love him. And he really is a good kid and a a really great quarterback. But they're offended because he's not, in their opinion, he's not taking the rivalry seriously enough. 
And I realized, I, I'd never thought of this before, that we the fans, and this isn't just true of Ohio State and Michigan or just true of college football, we the fans experience this stuff differently than the players do. So when you're an Ohio State fan or you're a Michigan fan, yes, this is everything. I mean, this game will go down in the annals of history and you'll always remember where you were and you, you know. But what C.J. Stroud is saying is he's a 20-year-old guy who's got a future. And his attitude is exactly what you would want your son or daughter who played sports to say and think. It's what you would teach him. This one game does not define us. Yes. So fans can be the way we are. And we and, and it's fun to be that way, right? We love it. They're they're taping over the letter M all over the Ohio State campus. It's great. But these are real people that, that they've got their whole lives in front of them. You wouldn't want CJ Stroud to give up on life and go shut himself up in a room because they stunk on Saturday. You'd want him to do exactly what he says he's going to do. That's the difference between being a fan and playing the game. And I I hope people come to their senses because he's he is a good kid and he shouldn't be thrown away for this. And I love the rivalry and I'm not trying to dampen it down, but that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. No, it doesn't define him. I hope it doesn't. And it won't. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries hey. to stop. On the JR poll, our question today Do you find soccer or football, as they like to call it, boring or exciting? Boring or exciting, 85%. Said it was boring. 15% said exciting. Never the twain shall meet. New JR poll question tomorrow at 4 or find it anytime at KTSA.com. Uh, finally, uh, tonight, a little bit of sad news. Sorry to hear about the passing of, uh, the singer and dancer Irene Cara. Uh, Irene Cara was 63 when her publicist announced, uh, her death on Saturday morning. No, uh, cause of death yet announced. But she uh, passed away in Florida at home. She, of course, uh, best known for singing movie themes like uh, Flashdance, What a Feeling, and Fame. She was also in the Broadway production of Fame. We're going to leave you tonight with uh, this big hit from 1983. Peaked at number six on the charts. Got a lot of great memories and fun with this song. Here's Flashdance by the late, great Irene Cara.